Omar Bino, keyboardist and parishioner at Holy Cross Chaldean Church, has always had a voracious appetite for reading. But of the many stories he has poured through over the years, there's one series in particular that has eclipsed all others. Since childhood, Omar has read the series approximately 40 times. It's J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. This series was more than a good read to him. It was his perennial habit for escaping life's hardships, the balm for his dark night of the soul. It became the cornerstone he clung to amidst family tragedies. I was a kid when I got involved with them, and you know, of course, at that time, you don't see the elements of faith in those stories, but as you grow older and you start you know becoming more you start thinking about life more and, and you begin experiencing uh, tragedies then you start to wake up and say you know wait th these books mean so much more than just um, escaping into another world um, so as I grew older those books kind of grew with me you know and, and if, if you've ever read those books especially the Lord of the Rings you can read, read, you know, read and reread and reread, and just each time you read, you get a new experience from reading them. You know, that's that's how deep they are. And so, for me, those sort of became the backbone uh, of my faith. When he processed his dad's murder, when he and his siblings moved out of Detroit, as his mother battled cancer and his brother lost an arm in a car accident. Tolkien's pages were those he gripped to make sense of the senseless, to find healing, to find God. It's these, the characters, they go through their struggles and like Lord of the Rings, for example, it's bittersweet because the hero, the protagonist, Frodo, um, you know, one could compare him to the modern day saint uh, or the Christian saint. Um, you know, he endured suffering, uh, pain, and he actually lost a part of himself, you know, throughout the journey. Uh, you know, a part of him, a part of him dies, and so when he returns home, he, he realizes he can never completely heal. And and you realize in this world there are wounds that will never completely heal. You just have to learn to live with it, and believe that there is something beyond this world where you will one day find complete healing. This narrative would end up being paramount for Omar when he was diagnosed at a young age with a degenerative disease that would leave him blind. And it was this physical blindness and the ensuing struggle with faith that gave him eyes to see the ways he could pursue a different kind of healing, a kind that heals the soul. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. This episode of Detroit Stories is brought to you by Catholic Charities of Southeast Michigan Adult Daycare Centers, providing your loved ones with Christ-centered daycare and caregivers the break they deserve. Visit ccsem.org for more information. This is music written and produced by Omar Bino, a jazz musician from Holy Cross Chaldean Church who started the nonprofit Healing Arts of the Little Flower. Omar is blind, but it hasn't hindered his musical skill. 
I actually started playing songs on a little toy piano since about age five. So when I was nine years old, my parents got me involved with a, a piano instructor, and I did you know piano lessons for about ten years. Um, when I was younger, I, you know I could see a bit more. I was actually able to ride my bike, uh, you know, in my in our subdivision when I lived at home. Um, I was actually even able to play video games. I could read large print. I also became uh, interested in the the pro wrestling, you know, professional wrestling. I became heavily involved in weightlifting and. Uh, I actually held some powerlifting records in high school as well. And after high school, um, I, I actually got involved in the martial arts uh, for a couple years. I earned a green belt. Uh, but over the years, I would say when I was, when I hit about age 26 is when it really started, uh, my, my sight really started, uh, you know, dissipating and uh, going away. So that, that's when I started losing my sight. Omar was born with a condition called retinitis pigmentosa, a disease that degenerates the photoreceptor cells in the retina. He has a brother and a cousin with the same condition as well. And while a considerable hardship, it wasn't the first tragedy Omar faced in his life. When Omar was three years old, living in Detroit, his father was killed in the convenience store he managed. You know, here we have, I was three, my sister was two, and my mom was pregnant with my other brother, Junior, and when my dad was killed. So Junior was born uh, in January of 1975. Uh, following my father's death, my mom, uh, my, my uncle actually became sort of our, like our guardian, uh, who was my, my father's brother. His uncle moved the family out of Detroit to Southfield, where Omar's mother and his uncle would eventually wed and have three more children. In the Chaldean community uh, slash culture, this is a somewhat of a common practice where if a woman becomes widowed, you know, through a tragedy like like where the husband get, gets killed and whatnot, uh, the brother takes over and you know she marries, uh, you know she'll marry the brother or or vice versa. The Chaldean community is marked by close knit families, resiliency, and most notably their strong Catholic faith. Uh, so Chaldeans are. Uh, primarily Catholic. Faith was was a, a central part of our lives. Mom and, and my grandparents often told me, you know, you know, keep praying one day you'll get your eyesight, you know, that kind of thing. Humming anxiously in the background of his childhood was the reality that his eyesight had an expiration date. As it weakened, he learned to read and started completing his homework in Braille in anticipation of the day he lost it altogether but he didn't stop hoping for a miracle. And it's, it's funny because as I grew older, I, I absolutely fell in love with the sight of the blue sky. You know, and, and I know that kind of sounds weird, but uh, you know, when I come to a later point in the story, um, it, it's very important to me because as I, as I grew older and I started losing my vision, I always prayed to God and I said, you know, Lord, if it's one thing I, I hope you never take away from me is my ability to be able to see the blue in the sky. Um, but, you know, you know, in accordance with his will, it, he did take those away. And so now I, I, you know, basically just have shades of light is, is all I can see, really light and darkness. The loss of his eyesight culminated in an interior battle of light and darkness in what Omar called his dark night of the soul. And so for the last five years or maybe a little more, I had been losing the remainder of my vision um, of my eyesight and 
That started to, to sort of sink in. The question of faith, that is. Something he had always taken for granted started gnawing at him with questions. Why, you know, why should I accept the Christian religion or the Catholic religion as the only religion? It, it started kind of causing a conflict. So that, you know, coupled with losing my, my vision, it started me on that, if you want to call it a downward spiral, or just started me to really probe and to think and to question, um, you know, why, you know, why this and why that? And then, you know, then I started watching the debates between uh, scientists and atheists. That was last year. And, and I saw that atheists have legitimate questions. Uh, so, so watching these debates made me question and wonder, okay, you know, why is there so much suffering in the world? When you see all these things, you, you just start to reflect and, and question, you know, very deeply. And I said, uh, as I said, you know, I think my, my life's experiences have just, had just molded me into, into a deep thinker, if, if you want to call it that. You know, always questioning, always wondering. So, you know, and, and coupled with all that is the, the loss of my vision. So that, I think, is everything that, that caused this, this darkness or this, this spiritual uh, emptiness or questioning. Omar always had a special affinity for St. Therese of Lisieux. Years back, he had read an article by Father Dwight Longnecker entitled The Little Way Through Middle Earth that compared Frodo with his struggles and doubts to St. Therese. Uh, and it led me to seek out St. Therese, I would say, and to actually start praying to her fervently for help. This five-year period of darkness was no different. So as he is wrestling with large questions of faith, he decided to pray a novena to St. Therese of Lisieux. And over those nine days, things just, just started clicking in my, in my brain and just unfolding within my head so, so rapidly, you know, that, that it just kind of, I guess if you would say it woke me up, you know, and made me realize or remember, you know, however you want to look at it, that, hey, there is... There is a deeper reality than this physical, mundane world that we live in. I, I believe that that's what what started the started me, you know, uh, coming out of that that spiritual pit is the realization that hey, she didn't live a she didn't live a, a great life at all. But yet, you know, in the short time that she was here, she moved the world. Omar completed that novena with a recovered sense of faith, but he also completed it with a question. How did he want to move the world? He thought he knew. In 2001, uh, I actually became friends with our bishop, uh, Bishop Francis Calabat, uh, who at the time was uh, Father Frank. He had been stationed at uh, St. Thomas Church in West Bloomfield. And the bishop is one of my dearest friends now. And over the last 20 years, he has been my greatest mentor. And that's another person who I will be forever, you know, thankful for and, and, and you know, indebted to for, for his friendship, for his kindness. I, I had called him and said, I need to have lunch with you because I'm having some spiritual issues, you know, and this, this is what's been going on. I, you know, I've been struggling for the last five years. I haven't said anything to you, but I need to talk to you. So we got together and, 
I told him about this nonprofit idea. This nonprofit idea of Omar's was for some sort of a healing space that could offer therapeutic and creative experiences to those with special needs and veterans. Born out of his passion for the arts that pulled him through the pains of his life, he felt God was calling him to share that healing power. I know the suffering that, that can come with, with being disabled. Um, you know, a lot of times you, you do feel left out of society. You know, people do treat you like you're second rate, unfortunately. I think it's improving, but, you know, that's, that's part of what what's, can send you into uh, depression. You know, along with not being able to do what those who are not disabled can do, you know, and, and things like that, which during high school I went through my own bouts of, of depression with that. You know, there were times when my friends, you know, had, and my cousins had just gotten their cars and their driver's license, and I wasn't able to do any of that. Uh, so a lot of times that sent me, you know, in, into depression. And again, uh, the Lord of the Rings and Narnia stories really helped me out throughout those days as well. So, so this whole therapy thing and it being up at the camp, you know, uh, which is in a, the perfect naturalistic setting, I want it to become a haven as well as, you know, uh, therapy for those who are disabled and for those who are veterans. Because veterans, too, a, a lot of times become disabled, you know, because of their service. And, and even if they're not disabled, they become severely traumatized. So when I met with the bishop... Uh, as I was telling him about the spiritual issues, uh, the whole camp idea came up. It just so happened that the Chaldean Diocese had recently purchased a sprawling bucolic property on Euler Lake in Brighton, Our Lady of the Fields Camp. When Omar learned about the property, he was elated. The camp has like nature trails and all kinds of stuff. And I thought about it. I said, you know, this is kind of along what I want to do with, with my therapy. It's, it's part of what I want to integrate into the therapy that I'm looking to provide. It'll be with uh, licensed music and art therapists. But as I told him, I said, I want this to become a haven for these people. You know, I'm doing this nonprofit and I would love to do something, you know, do these therapy sessions right out of the camp. And the bishop said, it's a wonderful idea. I said, what about this, you know, this foundation becoming an arm of the, of the diocese? He said, no. He said, I want you to stay separate because it's your vision, but I will be one of your board members. So when he said that, I was, I was just honored and, you know, I was honored and I was speechless, you know, and I was very, very grateful that he offered himself as, as one of my board members to bring this to fruition. The healing arts of the Little Flower, or HAF's mission, would be twofold. First, to provide music, art, and nature therapy for veterans and those with special needs or disabilities through certified music and art therapists. And second, to generate employment opportunities for those with disabilities or veterans. The HALF website boasts that studies show art and music therapy can reduce anxiety by 42% and improve emotional well-being by 35%. Science is... is showing more and more uh, through data that nature uh, can and does provide um, both mental healing from trauma as well as promotes creativity. Um, so this is why I, I feel that nature is such an essential part uh, of, of, this, of this therapy, but also music and art are both expressive, uh, you know, they're both expressive in their natures. And this is what therapy is all about, is getting the person to express themselves, you know, so that they can 
bring out what's buried in the subconscious and deal with it on the surface. So when you combine these three, you know, music, art, and nature, I think it's, it's, the, it's the ultimate window to the soul, if you will. Obviously, the most important is, is healing for, those, for both of those communities. Because, you know, the, the disabled community, they make up 19% a 19 minority. That is the biggest minority in the country. But unfortunately, they're, they're one of the most overlooked minorities in the country. And same thing with the veterans. They make up about 6%. That's another big minority. And again, they're, a lot of times they're, just, they're either shunned you know, or just tossed aside. And, and just go unappreciated. So I, I, wanna, I would like to see you know, healing come out of this for, for these people, as well as a sense of belonging and appreciation within society itself, a sense of integration. You know, feeling normal, feeling, feeling a part, a, a normal integrated part of, of society again. And it's something that I would like to see that, w that will last you know, after I'm, I'm dead and gone. By offering these restorative therapy sessions, Omar hopes that art will offer visitors the same healing, inspiration, and window to God that it offered him as a child, reading through Frodo's epic journey. So music and art, I believe, are, are both extremely spiritual. So I've always called art uh, the window to the soul. Art is, is one of the most spiritual forms of communication, I believe, because it's the person that, that has internalized a lot of things that is, is expressing them. So, so, you know, again, it's, it's the, window, the window to the soul. And I called, I called the organization Healing Arts of the Little Flower in honor of St. Therese. And I told her that I would, uh, you know, when doing the novena, I said to her, and I, and I, still, I still pray a, a prayer to her every day, um, you know, and tell her that I will honor her with this, with this organization. Half is in the process of hiring their first therapist and is looking to open in October. They are having their first fundraiser November 16th. I think that I was seeing my faith, or I was seeing our faith, you know, faith, the Catholic faith or the Christian faith. I think I was seeing it through other people's eyes. I was seeing it through the eyes of Tolkien. I was seeing it through the eyes of Lewis. I was seeing it through the eyes of scripture. But I wasn't seeing it through my own eyes, through my own heart, and through my own mind. And so, one of the prayers throughout the novena to St. Therese last year was, I want to know God with my own heart, my own eyes, and my own mind. And I think that that's the point that I'm, uh, you know, slowly getting to, you know, in this, in this journey is, I'm starting to feel God with my own being, not just through reading about Him through the works of others. And that's, no, that's not meant to, you know, take away any respect or reverence that I have for those works because I have the utmost of both for all the works, whether it's the Bible, whether it's Lewis, and whether it's Tolkien. Uh, but again, I think I needed to feel God and experience God with my own heart, with my own mind, and with my own eyes and soul. And I think that through this organization and its fruition that I think that's what, that's how God will reveal himself to me. Detroit Stories is a production of Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This episode of Detroit Stories has been brought to you by Catholic Charities of Southeast Michigan Adult Daycare Centers, providing your loved ones with Christ-centered daycare and caregivers the break they deserve. Visit ccsem.org for more information.